0: Hello, and welcome. It's an absolute privilege to be speaking to Mark Major today. He is the principal of the celebrated lighting design company team, Spears and Major. Mark, perhaps we can begin by asking why people ask you to get involved. What gets them Googling lighting designer?
1: Thank you, Shelley. When I first came into lighting design over 30 years ago, Apart from the fact that Google didn't even exist, I I don't think people really realize that lighting designers existed, particularly within the context of the built environment. And in fact, there were very few of us at that point offering that sort of uh, specific service. There were theater lighting designers. There were people that worked in film and television. There were lighting engineers and there were electrical engineers who did lighting. And of course there were manufacturers who provide you with a free lighting design service. But there weren't many, if any, independent lighting designers when I first came into the profession, and now it's expanded a great deal. So to come to your question, I think it's because there's been a dawning realisation over the last few decades that how lighting is handled within the context of the built environment, whether that's externally or internally, whether it's in retail or hospitality, places of worship, airports, you name it. There's an understanding that it's an art as well as a science, and there's a level of complexity to it that isn't simply down to deciding how much light you want and putting a few light fittings in to achieve that. Quite often, we get involved in projects far too late, where the lighting almost could be deemed to be a cosmetic addition or an afterthought or a bolt-on or something that somebody came to realize too late in the process was important. But I think these days it has got better. We always say there's, it's never too early to involve a lighting designer in your project. I'm not excluding the daytime, but just to take artificial lighting and its primary use. A lot of people tend to think about their projects by day, mentally. They don't realize that actually their their projects, whether it's inside or outside, have a life after dark. And actually, living where we do in the UK, in the winter months, life after dark can be almost longer for some people than it can be during the day. Quite a lot of people leave for work in the morning in the dark, and they get home in the dark. And our kids at school work in the dark in the late afternoon. Lighting designers, it's a very broad term. Don't think of us so much as being lighting designers, but think about ourselves as designers who create experiences for people after dark, for which lighting is the tool that we use. Years ago, we used to spend a lot of time persuading people of the value of what we do, particularly then user clients who might be introduced to us and say, well, why do I need a lighting designer? I've never had one before. You're yet another place at the table, another mouth to feed. On my project, which seems to be already bursting with consultants and designers. I find that less so these days in the sense that we tend to find a lot of clients and approaches already know or have been persuaded of the fact that they need a lighting designer. And it's it's, it's proved to be a double-edged sword because in those early days where we were trying to get on board a project or persuade someone to use us, we worked very hard to sell the benefits that light could bring to a project before getting anywhere near being appointed if you you achieve that then the client got excited then they say well actually I can see this now whereas we're finding more and more these days that where clients make the assumption about why they need a lighting designer it can be an assumption based on a series of assumptions as to what a lighting designer does and it's so multifaceted in so many ways I mentioned earlier it's an art as well as a science it's creative as well as technical but Like any design discipline, we're constantly juggling an incredible range of sometimes conflicting criteria to end up with the right design and at the right cost and within the right energy targets and within all the parameters that the brief uh, sets.
0: So how do you explain the benefit of getting somebody like you involved? I think on the most basic level,
1: you could say one way or another, a client building a building or developing a landscape or whatever is going to spend money on lighting so they know that they will have a lighting budget they will understand that they need to illuminate uh, space and so it comes down to like many things in life once you've decided that you have to do something hopefully you want to do it in the best way possible and there may be a reticence on the part of some clients to say as soon as I get a lighting designer involved the cost is going to go up and as I have said to clients in the past very respectfully that could be the case for two reasons one is yes You know, like all designers, you may perceive us as being extravagant, as adding so much value that you then have to pay for that additional value. Or it could be that you've undervalued the role of lighting in the first place. So let's take a look. Because the worst thing to do would be to spend the money on lighting and get a poor result on every level. And I think most clients really agree with us on that sense, that there's no point in expending the money and then being deeply, deeply disappointed, or indeed getting complaints from occupants or facing a whole series of problems. So I think clients do recognize that we add value. You know, I am an architect uh, by both training and qualification. I think that the fact that we speak an architectural language and can work very closely with the architects, interior designers, the rest of the design team to really do a lot of things beyond simply providing The right quantity and quality of light, but actually add to the identity of the building, create a visual expression for the building, create atmosphere, articulate character, contribute to placemaking. There are all sorts of additional bits of value that we can bring to the team. We've always recognized that it's not just about how you see, but it's about how you feel. We've always talked about the value of darkness as well as light, about how light reveals color, how it reveals texture, create a sense of space. there's many, many things that light can do. And I think we've always understood that many of the things we're talking about are around the human condition. We're only lighting these buildings for people. <laughs> there's, there's no one else we're doing that for. And so we would hate to think that we're not contributing to their well-being by doing so. whether that's just pleasing them through creating a really beautiful aesthetic for a space, or actually physically contributing light in the right quantity in the right place at the right time
0: what are the main problems that you come up with when it's actually implemented
1: i think there's a number of points of uh, difficulty let's start with the brief firstly establishing things like budget and energy targets and really pragmatic things that we have to work around are very very important at at the outset of a project we take it as red that the client thinks that we can do a good job make the space feel special provide enough light for people to see by but of course there are technical standards and cost issues and energy targets that we have to meet. So setting the brief is really important and clients often want a helping hand with that. They may have an idea of what they want from the lighting, but we help to clarify that. The next really tricky thing is visually communicating your ideas. Light is very, very difficult to draw or to represent. We can't make a card model of a lighting scheme. Well, we can make a card model and we can illuminate it, but you can't easily represent light and whilst obviously The development of CGI and all sorts of computer technologies has helped. Curiously, we find that providing an approximation to the lighting scheme through a combination of sketches, words, visuals, images, rather than trying to show a photograph of what we think the completed lighting scheme will be is much more helpful to clients because it never looks like that sort of CGI rendering and never will do because it's almost impossible for somebody to convey it accurately. So communicating the scheme is an important point, because what you're trying to do is to put in your client's head and in their mind's eye, what's in your mind's eye and in your head. It's a bit like saying the color red. Do you see the same red as I see Mm. when I say the color red? And the answer is no, we have no way of knowing. We just approximate towards red. Uh, And then we get color swatches out and say, ah, no, i I meant that kind of red. Uh, And I think it's the same with lights and the effects of light. That's why we use images a lot to support our work because if we want to say something glistens, for instance, if we show a picture of something glistening, then everybody understands what we mean by glisten, to to use just one of the many words that we might use to describe an effect. So communication is difficult. And finally, once you've convinced everybody of the merit of your ideas and you've communicated those clearly and converted them into a package of technical information with all that brings needing to know technically how to specify what to specify how to detail materials. We say this quite frequently to both clients and their architects. We have to visit and visualize every single square millimeter of the building that the architect has to visualize and visit. We have to understand all of the materials. We have to understand all of the details. We have to understand the heights of all the spaces. We have to understand the widths of all the spaces, where the doors are, where the windows are. We need to understand fully the full three-dimensional realm that we're dealing with in order to be able to do our job properly and professionally. But having completed a technical package, I think the most tricky thing is getting that delivered on site within the constraints and requirements of a busy construction industry. You know, I I, I often envy people that I know that are crafts people where they don't just visualize a table or a chair, but they actually physically make it themselves. So they're in total control of the process from cradle to grave. Whereas what you're doing is providing a set of instructions for somebody else to deliver your vision. And that's really tough in an industry where lighting has traditionally not been high in the food chain. So it tends to get forgotten, left to the last minute, undervalued. And it's only when people see the end result, including the construction teams, and go, oh, all right, okay, that that looks pretty good. Now I understand why we were doing all of that, that you suddenly feel that you've scored a positive victory.
0: (laughs) So if you specify a particular kind of light, do those get cut out in the process? Well, we
1: always specify something that exists in the marketplace, but it is the way of the construction industry for people to seek what they consider to be better value. This always gets confused with lower cost, but nonetheless, we understand and respect the fact that contractors have their own suppliers that they want to deal with, that they might be persuaded that this downlight here... Is the same as the downlight that we've specified in our technical information. The interesting thing about lighting is that you know, no two downlights are the same. Downlight is a really good example, it's a very generic, well-known tool of the lighting profession. That downlight will deliver a certain quantity of lights, it will have a certain quality of light, it'll have a certain color temperature, it will have a certain spectrum, providing a certain level of colour rendering. So we're quite clear as designers on all those parameters need to be met. But most importantly it will also have a photometric file associated with it sometimes it's disappointing when you're offered an alternative downlight for about a tenth of the price and some and the contractor says to you well it's the same and you say can i see the photometric file what's that well it's this if you ask the manufacturer that you're getting this from and who is the manufacturer never heard of them but nonetheless it doesn't mean to say they're not a good manufacturer could you ask them for a photometric file Anyway, you either never get an answer or you get something back saying, well, they don't have a photometric file, which means that actually the light fitting hasn't been tested. It hasn't been properly photometered. We can't put it into a calculation model. We can't use it. So substitutions for fixtures is a very difficult area. Having said that, you can get fittings that are similar enough. Again, I come back to downlights where a 30 degree downlight by one German manufacturer may be very similar to a 30 degree downlight by Uh, an Italian manufacturer and the Italian manufacturer's product may be cheaper or indeed they may be willing to cut the contractor a better deal and in which case of course you're open to considering the options.
0: So it sounds as though your work goes well beyond visualizing and imagining the scheme you need to shepherd it all the way through.
1: Yeah absolutely I, I often say particularly to some of the young designers that join us and come and work with us you know the real high point of our Job is when we finally get to see the lights switched on and if we have to focus them, point them in the right direction or set the lighting scenes or whatever we're doing at the end of the job, directing the finish of the job, particularly when you're dealing with a fixture that's focusable and you're trying to get just the right level of light and you're trying to get it just perfectly lighting the material or the object or whatever it is you're trying to light. And you point out to everybody that's working as part of the team, That if you just move that fitting by one degree or less than one degree, that that will make all the difference in the world. And then somebody doubts you and you do the one degree and they go, wow, that's amazing. And I often say to students, if you want to test that theory, just take a torch and stick it above your head and below your head and move it by a few millimeters and see how it changes your expression. If you shine the torch sideways at your face or you put it under your chin, but even moving it by two or three millimeters under your chin completely changes your expression. And that's exactly what you do So the architecture with one or two millimetres of movement in a light fitting. So, yes, we have to shepherd it through because the tolerances in what we do, if you're really, really getting down to the nitty gritty, are very fine indeed. Very fine.
0: So it sounds as though using a lighting designer and involving them both from early on and right through to the end really pays off because you're able to support the client to really achieve their objectives both technically but also creatively
1: yes absolutely there's nothing more disappointing than spending a lot of money on a beautiful building by day only for it to appear miserable after dark and I've said to clients before you know we we could be talking about let's say a beautiful stone wall in a reception area just by example and goodness knows how much per square meter the stone is costing. And you've decided to gently wash that wall to bring out the qualities of the stone. And we might ask for a sample of stone, take it to our workshop, test it, see what light the stone looks best in, both in terms of its color and its spectrum and all the properties of light. I love cost consultants, but often the cost consultant will say, well, we've got to make some savings. How about not lighting that wall? Well, yeah, of course we could not light it. That's very true. But the point is, why spend all of that money on that stone if you aren't going to see it or appreciate the qualities of it. If it's going to remain under or unlit, you might as well just be buying plasterboard and then you could make yourself an even bigger saving. (laughs) So it it sounds a bit flippant and I'm not meaning to be, but it's just the fact that we're trying to get the best out of every project and the best out of every space that we illuminate. I'm always arguing for light and lighting to just be given the higher priority. I think it deserves, which I'm bound to say because I'm a lighting designer, but we have to fight our corner.
0: And when you see the difference, you can really see why you would. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. That was really, really fascinating and, and really valuable conversation from such an eminent expert. Thank you, Shelley.